Amen. Blessing. Praise the Lord. Uh, shalom to you. As they say in Hebrew, uh, Lila Tov. That means good afternoon. So, Lila Tov to you. Thank you for the hospitality. Thank you for everything that you've done for us uh, these few days. We love the, uh, uh, the prophet's chamber. Just absolutely first class. The best prophet's chamber we've ever stayed in. We've stayed in many. And we, we have all kinds of stories about prophets' chambers. But the kids remember the ones when the bugs are coming out from under the bed and things of like that. But, that, but uh, other than that, we, we've been, <clears throat> we're a blessed family. And uh, so it's good to be here with you all. And, uh, you know, man, I'd like to, if, if I lived in North Carolina, I, I, I think I'm pretty, I, I don't think, I know I, this would be where we would be coming. Amen. And so uh, thank you for making us feel like family just in a short period of time and you know, you know it, that's the hard thing about coming to a church like this. I mean, you got something really special going on around here, and it's real obvious. And so, you know, of course, you'd think a, a missionary, an ambassador such as myself, when you go to the church, you don't tell a church that, "Hey, man, you got a bad spirit around here. I don't know why we're here, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're, you know, but uh, something unique. Uh, God's doing something, and you're getting to be a part of it. Amen. And so. And he is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. And listen, I am so glad that he uses simple people like us to do a great work for him. And so, I mean, you know, just to think about a guy, I'm from, I don't know if you knew this, but my name, as you know, is Rusty Guin, my wife, Rhonda. And I'm from a, a town called Guin, Alabama. And you say, man, wow. Gewin, Alabama. Anybody in here ever been to, to Gewin, Alabama? Yeah, man, that's a big metropolis down there in uh, northwest Alabama of about 3,000 people. My great-grandfather actually founded that town, Gewin, and he, he left a whole bunch of money and thousands and thousands of acres to my dad. But my dad blew it all and I didn't get any. You believe that? Isn't that something? So anyway... <laughs> But God's been mighty gracious to me and my family over the years. As you know, I'm a blessed man. I, I've got four children, ages 29, 27, uh, 25, and soon to be 22, 21. And, uh, and so I'm a blessed guy. They've married right, except for the youngest one. We're not going to let her get married. But we're blessed, uh, you know, uh, just beyond measure. And to be able to do what we do and love the Jewish people, uh, over these years and the things that God has taught us about the Jewish people. And we're just living in exciting days. And I think, you know, I'm just a common guy from a small town, as I said, you in Alabama. But God's allowed me to travel around the world to uh, to minister to Jewish people. And yes, I've had a few, I didn't save anybody, but there's been a few Jewish people been saved along the way in the churches that I pastored. Uh, you know, I, I'll just tell you know just one story of, among many. But I pastored a group of Filipinos in uh, uh, in Israel for a few years, uh, Grace Baptist Church in Tel Aviv, and then I also pastored Jerusalem Baptist Church right there in Jerusalem. A friend of mine pastors that church, and I filled the pulpit there uh, many times throughout the years for several months at a time. But the Filipino people they go to Israel and they provide personal health care, or they live with the Jewish people and they take care of them. About fifty to 60,000 Filipinos live there. Many of them got saved from people that shared the gospel with the Philippine, Filipinos in the Philippines, 
And many of these were, uh, when they come there, uh, they already kind of know about soul winning, some of them. And so there's probably uh, more Jewish people come to know the Lord because of Filipino people that were reached for the cause of Christ. They end up winning the people they're taking care of. And so I had the awesome uh, privilege of being able to pastor these uh, Filipino people, and many times on the Jewish person's deathbed, they would live with them for years, taking care of them, and then on their deathbed, they'd call out on the Messiah. Amen? And so you just never know, and that's just one of many stories. But uh, at this time, I'm just going to show a few photos, just what's been going on this year. As I've said, I've had the privilege to be in Israel two different times for a month each time and was over in Thailand for about a month with my family. And if we'll start just the first photo, and I'll talk a little bit about it, and, and we'll see how the Lord leads. But uh, Jewish Awareness Ministries is who we're partnering with, and of course our verses, and some have compassion. And we're just trying to make a difference, you know. Uh, it's good that, that God sees fit to use, as I said, people like you and I to, uh, uh, to, uh, to do his work. And so I have the clicker here. There's Ken. Some, you, you support Ken here at Jewish Awareness Ministry. And what is Jamit? Jamit 23, uh, one of the duties that I do is I help go around uh, the country and recruit Bible college students that are juniors and seniors in college and have a desire to serve as missions and basically better help them to understand the Jewish people. And uh, I do Passover Seder meals. And one of the wonderful things about doing a Passover Seder, you know, I'd heard that term over and over for many years. I'd even been at Jewish people's homes and trying to really understand how do you see Jesus in the Passover. I, I didn't quite get that. Maybe you don't. But I tell you what, that when I really began to study it and see how that Jesus is in the Passover, it's absolutely incredible. Now, I don't know what you know or don't know about the Passover. Have any of you in here actually been a part of a Passover Seder meal? I see one hand, two hands. And so, so I, I did my first one uh, not so long ago. And then our church did one. That was the second one. But Christ in the Passover, there's a part of the, inside the Passover, it's, you know, we call it the Last Supper. When we see, everybody's seen the picture of Jesus uh, with the disciples at what we call the Lord's table, right? But what he, he was talking about specifically about the Passover, that he was becoming the lamb that would take the sins from the world, right? And so, you know, but I, that didn't, you know, I, I couldn't always put that, uh, together, you know, like, okay, the Passover, the Egypt, how that the, the Jewish people were under bondage and uh, God came to them and told them to slay a lamb, right? And put that blood on the, the post and the death angel would pass over. And I'm like, but when I really thought about this and I, I taught this and I studied this a little bit, uh, and I'll, I'll show a picture here in a minute, but I've been a part of these, but I didn't quite understand how that I could show the Jewish people, a better picture of who Jesus really is. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to take their blinded eyes and be able to see Christ in these events. And so once we do that, 
I, I can't tell you, I, I'll show a Jewish person here that I was a part of a Passover Seder meal, but I didn't quite know how to explain it. But I was able to witness to him again just a short time ago. And I was able, you know, at the end of the day, I was able to show him that Jesus was the atonement for sin. They, they know about Yom Kippur. That's the holiest day for the Jewish people is Yom Kippur, uh, the, the, the blood atonement. And they understand that there is no remission or forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood, right? So anyway, uh, so here's a small group. Uh, this is actually Pastor Paul Whitworth. You remember Paul Whitworth? Paul Whitworth worked with us at Overnight. And this is some of his staff and his family. And I had the privilege of hosting them back in February. And we, I, I hosted them. And Paul's, Paul has been with me three times. But, but Paul, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be doing a Passover Seder meal for him. But we had a wonderful time. First time Paul went with me, uh, he decided to climb, climb up on a cliff on uh, Mount Tabor. And he jumped off a little ledge, and when he did, he broke his leg after day one. Well, I didn't know he broke his leg. I just thought he twisted his ankle. And I had four other pastors with me, and I could, wasn't like I could stop hosting them and showing them. But he went about nine days on crutches with a broken leg. And he got back to Indiana, and he had to have surgery, but that's another story. Uh, this is just a Jewish man that I'm able to minister to, and Rhonda took a snapshot as I'm helping this Jewish young man It's trying to grow in the Lord. Uh, uh, Miss Irene Levy was a lady that in 1948, when Israel became a state, Miss Irene, uh, she went the day that Israel became a state, somebody bought her a station wagon, and she went to Israel, with, or bought the station wagon in Israel, and she took gospel tracts in 1948, and she was a family friend of ours. She taught, she tried to teach me Hebrew. She did teach my daughter Hebrew, but she passed away when we were there, and I'd always said if something ever happened to her that I would make a special trip and be a part of the service, but just so happened after I finished my trip, she went to be with the Lord, and I got to be a, a part of that service. But this is Mrs. Irene Levy. I told the church and the people as I was having a part in the funeral, I believe if the Bible would have been written, they would have been a book of Irene. That's, she was an incredible soul winner in 1948 to the Jewish people. What a, and I could go on and on, but I don't have time to do that. Uh, what did I do? Did I go left to right? Oh, did I hit the home button? Uh, hi, welcome home. Oh. Uh, and so, uh, so here, here's me being a part of the funeral there uh, at, at the Baptist church there and being a part of Irene's funeral. Uh, and let me, let me just stop here and let's, I'm going to take some scripture. Let's go to Matthew. That's where we, I know you've been talking about the pro prophecy month, but I'm just going to read a verse or two here and then, I, and I think of this, I, I taught on this a little bit, but Matthew chapter 24 in verse 4, and uh, let's pray together, and uh, then I'll read a verse, and then we'll get into the message. Father, I pray that you would be with me, Lord, as we open up your word. And Lord, I just want to be encouragement to your people. Lord, what a blessing to be able to be here and be a part of the services here at Calvary Baptist Church. And Lord, thank you for the pastor and those that are leading this church and all the people that get in and make it exciting times. And Lord, uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, give us wisdom in these days. And Lord, help us to be able to discern uh, during these complex times and when things can be very deceptive. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us with these matters. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. And so, so we're, here, we're here traveling, getting ready. We're traveling to Bangkok to see my family or help them move from a city three hours south of Bangkok to Bangkok. We helped, and uh, we found this trip, and I thought we would stop over here because it was offered two free hotel nights to be able to stay for free. And I'd been hearing about this, and we know that things are converging like never before. But in Matthew chapter 24, I just want to remind the people, God's people, to not be deceived. And we read this portion of Scripture, and I'll just read one verse for the sake of time. But Matthew 24, verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. You see, we're living in a time of deception like never before. You know, I could talk about here and talk about artificial intelligence and uh, humanoids and all these things. And I even had people in some discussion today that people said that there was somebody that called me and they sounded just like my aunt talking on the phone trying to get money. And so there's all kinds of deceptions going on. And this is probably the biggest one. This is a picture of what we, you've heard it for years. We've heard of the one world government. We've heard of the one world finance system or the cashless society. And we see a picture here, very uh, much of the one world religion. This is in the city of Abu Dhabi in Saudi Arabia. And uh, we see that we see a picture of a church. We see the picture of a mosque, and we see a picture of uh, a mosque, a church, and a synagogue. And so uh, Rhonda and I was able to stop there and see this, and it sounds like a beautiful thing that religions could come together. But, you know, the Bible says if we had time, we could look at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. You know, one world religion sounds like can't we just all get together for the sake of of religion and get along with one another. But I'm here to tell us and remind us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus' blood, thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need, this world will be deceived. It is being deceived that let's just all get together. But we need to be reminded that Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. The deception that's going on in the land of Israel today is quite amazing. There's a man that is walking today in Israel. His name is Yanuka. Yanuka is a, a, a Jewish man, a high-up rabbi that go walking around and performing so-called miracles. And all many of the religious rabbis are falling at his feet kissing his hands, but his name is Yanuka. So that we see these false Christ rising up in the land. I talked just a little bit about that this morning. Those of you that will go on the trip to Israel, you'll see a man all over the place. His name is Snearson, Rabbi Snearson, and you'll see him all over the place. And many think that he, he met a lot of the what the biographical sketch of what the Bible says, the prophecy, the messianic prophecies in the Bible. He met many of those, but the one key thing that he, that he didn't meet is the Bible said that Messiah would come out of Bethlehem Ephratah. And so, and he didn't. He was born in the Ukraine. And so we see all these deceptions taking place. But Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. But Abu Dhabi, the one world religion, there's a picture of it. We see the world is setting up for this time. 
And all these events are taking place. The, everything from the one world religion, we see the discussion. Many of you have questions about the Temple Mount. Some of you will be able to visit there in a few months in December. And I've probably been up on the Temple Mount no less than 20 times in my lifetime and been there. And there is no time in history. And since I've been going to Israel since 2008, I've never seen the discussion of what's taking place in the land of Israel. Somebody had said that uh, Israel is God's timepiece, clock, if you please, and the minute hand is Jerusalem, and the second hand is the Temple Mount in regards to prophecy being fulfilled. No time in history have we ever seen prophecy being fulfilled at the level that we see it today. I mean, everything from all the priestly garments have been fabricated and made. And you, If you go there and your tour takes you uh, to the Temple Mount or takes you to the Temple Institute, uh, you'll be able to see many of these items. And if you go to the Jewish quarter, you'll see the 74 pounds of gold, golden menorah, uh, that will go in that temple one day. And so the discussion is great and how that the Jews are willing to, and I'll put it this way, every, you know, this world is feeling pressure like it's never felt before. The preacher talked this morning about that that, that dam is building up and when she begins to crack or burst, uh, the demons are going to be unleashed. And I'm here to tell you that thank God that we're saved and we're born again. And so, uh, you know, th th that's the exciting part. The exciting part of it is, listen, wake up, people. Wake up. With this, uh, the, the Romans talks about being awake. Romans chapter 13 talks about being awake. And I come to you and remind you to, to be awake and be aware. And the Bible warns us about not being deceived. And talking about deception, I'll give you a little insight. Those of you that are going to, uh, to Israel soon, I, I was reminded... Uh, there was a lady that I used to, uh, that was in the church there. Her name is, well, I won't give her name. But, uh, but long story short, talking about deception. When you go to Israel, you better be careful with your credit card when you go to Israel, by the way. Uh, that this dear lady, uh, she, she told me the story, and she walked through the old city of Israel. You know, of course, when you get there, not everybody's actually Jewish. Let me tell you that. First of all, there's Arabs and there's Jews and uh, many of the vendors are actually Arabs, and boy, are they professional salesmen, so be careful. She went in one time, and she came out $15,000 lighter uh, by going into a shop. So when they tell you to come, that come see my shop, be careful. And a year later, she went back into another shop, and they got her for $7,500. So listen, I'm just saying that don't be deceived, amen? And so, so are we living in the end days? You know, and, uh, and uh, there was some polls that were taken. Now, these really, the end days, the Pew Research said four out of ten Americans believe, or 39%, which represents about a, over 100 million people, believe that we're living in the last days. 63% of evangelicals, 29% of Americans, non-Christians, believe that we're in the end days, even 9% of atheists believe that we're living in the end days. 43% of Republicans believe that we're living in end days. 33% Democrats believe that we're living in the end days. And so, listen, 
We're here. It's exciting days. It's exciting for those of us that are saved. And so, you know, what is it that we're to do in these end days? We're to go warn. We're to go tell the story of how Jesus changed our life. We're to go to share the gospel. When the gospel's given, thank God it doesn't go void. You know, we're, you know and listen, I, I, listen, we're all, we all have family, and you probably got family members that need to hear again. Maybe you've forgotten them. Maybe maybe you've not forgotten them, but you said, well, they've already heard it. Well, maybe they need to hear it again. But all these things, prophecy is being fulfilled. The dam is building pressure, and it seems like it's getting ready to crack. But this, the great deception, and how, what are some of the things that we can do to avoid this deception? These are things that, that we need to discuss and talk about. The Bible says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not... Uh, for that day shall not come except there be a falling away and that the, uh, the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And so we, 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 this is where we're at. The Temple Mount, the Red Heifers. Have any of you heard about the Red Heifers? Now, when you say, what, what does that really mean? That means that the Jewish people, uh, those, those Red Heifers, five Red Heifers, were delivered last September. Uh, they're, they're believing that at least one of those Red heifers, I don't know how much you know about this, that is, it, it is a process for the Levitical priest that will be, they'll have to be cleansed by the sacrifice of these heifers and the ashes, they'll basically take a bath inside the pool of Siloam. At, at the end of the city of David, there's a big pool right now under excavation and they're doing everything there's no telling where they're at with it right now, but they re, they're re, uh, uh, redoing it to where that when the, the priest are, and the red heifers are ready to be sacrificed and they take these ashes, these priests that will work in this temple will uh, basically, in a nutshell, take a bath in here. Now, this is discussed in chap Numbers chapter 19 if you want to read a little bit more about it. And the uniqueness of this, this will be the tenth time throughout history, biblical history, that this event would have taken place. And so we have this discussion. We have the, the priests that, that are preparing for the rebuilding of the new temple. And then we have all different kind of opinions. Where is the Ark of the Covenant? And where are all the, these some of the piecing for the furniture, and these are good questions, but I don't know that anybody specifically knows. I believe that it's perhaps underneath the Temple Mount. I can tell you this, that I've been underneath the Temple Mount, I would say, eight or ten times over the last many years. I was just there in uh, March, and or, yeah, March, and then again uh, just a few weeks ago underneath the Temple Mount. And the construction that's going underneath the Temple Mount is absolutely incredible. There's over a multi-million dollar synagogue that's just been recently opened, one of the most incredible synagogues that I've ever seen, underneath the temple. In other words, underneath the temple mount, there's a huge synagogue that many Jewish people attend. And then all, when you walk through underneath the tunnels, through what they call the tunnel tours of the uh, temple mount, uh, all these... Uh, People are underneath there praying, and there's where the women pray and where the men pray. We're not talking about the, the Western Wall per se. They, you've seen pictures of the Western Wall, but I'm talking about underneath it. And many go to a certain area where they think that the Ark of the Covenant's at. But nonetheless, we see all this dis discussion, and we see that the Jews politically, they're looking for this political leader 
And as the preacher alluded to uh, this morning, that perhaps he's even walking about now. Maybe we have seen him, but I believe that he does walk around on this planet somewhere. And, but do I know who he is? No, not exactly. We all have our opinions, and I could give you my opinion could be just as good or bad as somebody else's. But nonetheless, thank God that I'm saved, and that's all a wonderful thing. We just see the, the importance of the time that we have. Time is clicking faster than ever. The Bible says, For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and show great signs and wonder, insomuch that if it were possible, that they shall deceive the very elect. And I come to you, church, just as a reminder, as I continue to scroll through these pictures, that don't be deceived. Don't let yourself to be deceived. And because there's a lot of deception going on, and like I said, one of those deceptions is a religion that can perhaps save without the blood. There is no religion that can save without the blood that Jesus gave us. Amen? There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood, and how precious is that blood? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen? But yet there's religion that's trying to cover that up. Uh, once again, uh, we see the Islamic uh, moon, we see the Christian cross, and we see the uh, menorah there in the back. But this is the facility uh, there at Abu Dhabi that's trying to merge and basically represents a bloodless sacrifice. Uh, this is uh, my two grandsons from Thailand. We made a trip, my, as you know, my daughter and son-in-law are missionaries in Thailand, just moved up to Bangkok, and so... These are my two precious grandsons. This is Archer and uh, Judah. And boy, are they something else. And so we got to spend time with them, and so we're thankful for that. This is uh, a friend of mine that, uh, that you may know, uh, Eddie Errold, and he pastors there in the, uh, one of the suburbs of Bangkok, doing a wonderful job, reaches uh, a lot of Thai people. Uh, this is uh, my son-in-law. I introduced him to this ministry. I went, was able to go to Thailand believing that this was one of the spots that God would have me to go. I took that pastor that you just saw to all three synagogues with me. We went to eat at a Jewish restaurant, and I showed him how to better reach Jewish people. And I'm introducing my son to his ministry. And uh, here's that Jewish man, one of the Jewish man, men named Arad, and he was in, in three hours south of Bangkok, but he moved to Bangkok. And while I was there, <clears throat> I met with him. And he was one of those men that I was able to once again show Jesus in the Passover. And, uh, you know, very open, very open to the gospel. And he is certainly chewing on it because they, they needed to make the tie of the Passover from I was able to take my Gentile glasses off, put my Hebrew glasses on, and share the gospel where he could better understand it. And so you pray for him. Arad is his name. And these are two Indian fellows that I met there. And uh, uh, they're saved. They're on their way to heaven now. And here's my friend John. A very interesting story. John here is a, uh, also an ambassador doing a work for the Lord up in Chiang Rai, which is the northern part of Thailand. And so I've, the Lord's allowed me to invest in some of these men about how that they could reach Jewish people. You say, well, okay, well, okay, you're in Thailand and you're talking to, about Jewish people to Thai people, how that they can reach them. Let me tell you, the, the whole country of Thailand, think about this, was an influenced 
by a a, a Catholic slash Lutheran culture, which talks about replacement theology, which is a long topic. I won't get into it. You either know what it is or you don't. But replacement theology basically says that that, that the church repro- replaced the purpose of what God has for the Jewish people. Now, thank God that when we got born again, you and I were grafted in to the family of God. Amen. Now, that, that's a di- that did, but the church didn't replace it, but we got born again, and praise the Lord, we're not second-class citizens. Amen. When you, we were grafted in... Uh, we're actually joint heirs with Jesus, amen? We're not a redheaded stepchild. I got redheaded children, so don't take that personal. But we're a part of the family of God, and we're not just a part of it. We're somebody in the family of God, amen? And so, but John here was a religious fellow that was a Catholic that in his schools, and pretty much the whole school system really is anti-Semitic, and anti-Jewish, they simply believed that Jewish people were the Christ killers. And because of that, the theology drifted down through pretty much all of Thailand, which is one of the reasons that a Thai person just can't go to Israel because of their bad theology it was trained, and it integrated into the society. And he said, and I could take time and read you a letter, that he said, you know, nobody ever took time with me to understand. He said, simply in my training, I was taught that Jews were the Christ killers and we were to hate the Jewish people. You do understand that uh, we, Jews and Gentiles alike, put Jesus on the cross, amen? But he, he, he went willingly, amen? So, but John, if I had time, I'd read you the letter, real sweet letter, and he said, thank you. And he's already up in where he's at. They call it the Golden Triangle in northern Thailand. Has already found 50-plus Jewish people that he's, he's going to be sharing the word with. But his name is John, doing a wonderful work, and I could go on about that. But uh, here I am in Thailand on the picture to my left. Uh, obviously, that's a monk back there, but, and I was going to bring this up. Those of you that are going to Israel, you say, well, how am I going to be able to communicate with some of these people? Well, if, you, if I had time and I taught a class on using your phone to reach people that don't talk the same language that you and I do, I can show you. I, can show, I talked to this man, had a wonderful conversation with a monk about Jesus with my Google Translate that I had it in Thai. He received a Bible and said, thank you very much for the Bible, and that he would read it. I don't know. I know the, go- uh, the gospel is uh, like a two-edged sword, amen? If he were to read it, you know, so if this monk were to get born again, uh, I guess he could com- change some of the Thai people's theology, right? And so, you know, everywhere I go, I'm always trying to make... The the other man on the back, uh, to my right, your left, I guess, uh, that's Abraham. Abraham is a Jewish man that lives up in Tiberias. His brother is named Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what I was kidding. He's Abraham and his brother's Isaac. I've been able to personally witness to them in Tiberias, but we had a wonderful conversation. Once again, was wanting to... I was able to show that Jesus, Yeshua, was the one that that represented Passover. And when I explained it to him by sitting down and talking to him, he said, I I get what you're saying. Let me say this. Does anybody in here know in the Passover Seder meal, there's a part of the Passover Seder where you take uh, the uh, 
They call it the afikoman. You ever heard the word afikoman? The afikoman is a, we, we take matzah, and it's a three-compartment thing that, we, that the Jewish people have been doing for well over 2,000 plus years. Call, say it with me, the afikoman. One, two, three, afikoman. The afikoman is actually a, uh, it is a, uh, a Greek word. It is a, a Greek word, afikoman, and, uh, and it basically represents it represents Jesus as who it does, and the Jewish people don't even recognize. In other words, that compartment that holds the matzah compartment, there's three parts of it, and they put a piece of matzah bread in all three compartments. But the center one, which is actually called the afikoman, and I, I'm just lost for the word of what it exactly means, but it basically it represents Jesus because they take that piece of matzah and they break it open, and it's in two pieces, and then they take that piece that's during the, the Passover Seder meal, they take that broken matzah bread and they hide it. And at the end of the Passover, they encourage the kids to go seek this. And the one that finds it gets a gift. So you, you, are you, I see some of you got this. When you find Jesus, you got a gift. And by the way, that has been traced back to perhaps the message some of the first believers, maybe even from the early church, was a something that they did. And so the better that we understand that, in other words, if you were able, and you're already there, if you were able to talk to a Jew, say, what's the purpose of that broken pizza model, uh, pizza matzah, pizza, piece of matzah that's in the, uh, it sounds like I was saying pizza. But if I, if I can say, and they said, they don't know why it's broken. Who was broken for them? Jesus, right? And so these are the little things that when I said that to him, I said, tell me about that broken pizza matzah. And he said, boy, that's interesting. And I told him that that was his Messiah that was broken for him. And I believe that a seed was inserted into his heart. Now he had to deal with the tradition of like, see, that, that's the, one of the biggest problems with religion, that religious when you're religious, it's hard to get, get away from that religiousness and trust the truth, right? And so you pray for Abraham and you pray for his brother Isaac. So I've had wonderful conversations. And, you know, these are just people in recent days. Uh, this is the group of uh, interns that I was able to recruit uh, from Bible colleges around the state. Some of these folks you may know or heard of. We have Grant Baker, we have Ellie Berge, and we have Faith Glaze, and we have... Caleb Shelby. And so these are people that my wife and I hosted this summer. Uh, this is a Jewish lady that is actually born again, and she lost her husband. And so we, we invited her over, and we hosted a meal with her on a Shabbat service there in Israel. This is another service that we went and gathered with other believers uh, there in Migdal, the town of Mary Magdalene. And let's see here. This is us getting ready to float down uh, the Jordan River. Uh, me, I floated down. I float real well. <laughs> we floated down the Jordan River with these young folks. We were able to take them on a camel ride down in the Negev Desert and so many stories. And yeah, for uh, there we go. Trump Heights, there you go. Right there in the, the Golan Heights. And so... Uh, so I, I was able to take them there and show them around. And then we have a new place that I visited. This is the tomb 
of the prophets. Malachi and Haggai were all born, all born, all buried in this cave on the Mount of Olives. That if you go to the Mount of Olives, if you don't ask about this cave, it's kind of a little bit out of the way, but not so much. But it's a really cool place to visit if time allows for that to be done. Uh, these are some of the people that the Lord's allowed me to invest in over the years. This uh, one of the, the the guy that looks like Sasquatch over there is uh, Yanev, and he and his family have been to my home and. Believe it or not, I'm a Gentile. They're Jewish people. They eat kosher. And I had to try to feed Jewish people kosher food for about a week. They stayed at my house a week, and as frustrating as can be. Just eat a bologna salad. No, that's not going to work. But uh, anyhow, we did our... I'm, I'm joking, and I probably shouldn't joke, but the, this is how close of the relationships with the people I've been able... that I've, I've, I've interacted with, with the sport of football. But uh, he is now... Uh, you know, I've witnessed to him. We've talked through it. He understands the gospel. You pray for him. His name is Yanev, and I just saw him just a few months ago, and Yanev is always staying in contact with me. Now, he, I actually had him a scholarship to play football at a local college near where I live, but he took another place up in a place called Stone Hill College, and he's, he's a good athlete. And he loves the Lord. His dad was a doctor, and I could go on and on. But you pray for Yanev and his mother. They think dearly of my wife and I, and I can tell all kinds of stories. They have us over for meals at their home when we're here. And I just talk straight to them. I, I tell them the truth in love. And I could go into that. That's really what this is about, is just love people where they're at. This, you know, this is, you've heard it said, People want to know how much you care before they want to know how much you know. And these are some. Max Rivkin, another guy that played football, Max got saved. Max got saved, the other guy. And he works now. You'll see him. If you go to the garden tomb in, in Jerusalem, you'll meet Max. Tell him that you know Rusty, and he'll tell you some stories. Uh, this is another friend of mine. Uh, he, has a, uh, he is now ministering. This is a guy that played on my football team named Paul, and he ministers to the Arab people in Bethlehem and doing just a wonderful uh, work, incredible work that he's doing there, and I could get into that work, but I'll just tell you a funny story. But I had a Jewish quarterback. He was a Christian brother, this guy here, and we, we, were, uh, we were, the team was the worst team in the IFL, the Israeli Football League, and we had one second left on the clock. He's a receiver. My Jewish quarterback throws a 50-yard bomb. It, the play was called not Hail Mary, but Hail Jesus. And he, the court, that was the play, one second left. We win the game, and he catches the pass from my Jewish quarterback and all the other Jewish players. One of the Jewish players in excitement comes, Coach, I think I'm ready to be converted now. And I said, I, his name is Ariel. And by the way, Ariel is now a football coach in Krakow, Poland. And he's another a person of influence. And this is how that God used me to reach Jewish people. But, but Paul caught the winning uh, touchdown with one second left, and we called the play Hell Jesus. Uh, this is my friend Sammy in Bethlehem, uh, just incredible story. He's a Muslim man that I've been sharing the gospel with. His wife has been sick, but Sammy loves me. I love Sammy, but I, you pray that Sammy understands the truth, gets the truth. Uh, this is some new, the, the other picture with the man with the delete up, praying with the prayer shawl over the, the young people in his congregation, an incredible testimony, uh, himself coming to know the Lord as a Jewish person, now ministering to his church, his congregation, called a, a kielah, or a messianic congregation.
an incredible, just, but he's a new friend. Uh, this is a picture of he and his wife, and we got to know them a whole lot better and a whole lot of stories there, and won't have time. But remember when I told you the other lady with my wife and I, her name is Leah. Remember I told you this morning, those of you that were here, we went to the churches for about two years tell them that this is what we were going to do. And we finally get there, and we're flying in an airplane, 22 pieces of luggage, four kids, don't really know where we're going to stay when we hit the ground. And I told you that there was no room in the place that we were supposed to be staying for a while, and they recommended this lady named Leah, and we lived with her for over a month. She had an apartment underneath her house. That's the top of her house, and down underneath there was two apartments. The guy stayed on one side, and the girl stayed on, but her name is Leah. And all this to be said that that was my introduction, beginning the introduction with my Jewish family and trying to better understand them. And that, it really kind of started here. They started inviting us to, the, to the, uh, the, the holy days. The first holiday that we celebrated with Jewish people was Rosh Hashanah. Anybody ever heard of Rosh Hashanah? It's the head of the year. Anyway, uh, that's another story. But, but I, by the way, every person that I've dealt with, on a, uh, whether they, that's Jewish, I, I made it a purpose to go back and make sure that I give them a, made sure that I give them the plan of salvation, the way that they would understand it. And so you pray for these people. That it's not like they've not heard. This is another Jewish friend of mine. He's actually, uh, uh, he's a, he's actually uh, one of the subsects of the Jewish people called Druze. There's many different people groups. There's Bedouins, there's Druzes, there's Orthodox Jews, there's all kinds of types of Jews. But this, this young man also played football with me, and he is now the, he's a, he's a believer, and he represents TV7 in Israel. If you want good, sound uh, information about what's going on in Israel, I could highly recommend that. Jonathan Hessen. And so that's just a little bit of the people that I've had been able to influence. To influence. And I could go, you know, listen, my ministry is about people finding them where they're at, and trying to help them to see Jesus, who he really is. And that's what this world needs. You know, I found as I've traveled and journeyed this world, whether it's been in Poland or whether it's been in Israel or, or the Middle East or Jordan or Arabs or Jews, and it's just open, being able to communicate with people because the gospel works, but people don't always see it the way that we see it. So we have to set, step back every once in a while. It's like, how can I share Jesus with them the way that they would understand it? I mean, you do understand that we're not going to make every person an independent fundamental Baptist, right? We've got to be able to show them Christ, you know. And I say to you, be not deceived. And I think about all the deceptions throughout history, and I've got a whole list of them here. I won't take time, but and I, I just remind us to not be deceived. Be cautious of deception. You know, this day and time we live in, in education and spirituality and news sources, be careful what you allow to go into your brain, you know. I think, you know, I, I just think of this. When, when I got off the airplane from Israel, the first thing I saw when I got off the plane is, uh, and this is probably not nice, but when I got off the plane, the first sign I saw was I saw a sign that says, I'm happy, I'm gay. And it had a, a lady that, that some of you would know, what are Ellen something. And it, she, she's, it, the quote was, I'm happy, I'm gay. And happy, well, they call it happy gay month. And it just, when I got off the plane, 
it just hit me the wrong way. You, you know what I'm saying? And I said, I said, you know, and, and I think there's something that we all should probably get from this. And I said, you know, I just need to go tell somebody that I'm happy and I'm saved. And so I've made on purpose. I went down through the airport after I saw that sign. I said, listen, I'm happy that I'm not gay and I'm happy that I'm saved. Amen. Amen. And so I, I say to the church here tonight that let's not be bashful about who's we belong, who we belong to. Amen. Let's go out and share the story that people need to hear it like never before. And we're not, we shouldn't be deceived. But the Bible says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. We live in a world today that I've, you know, I've been watching things evolve like never before. And it just seems like things are getting worse and worse. It's not getting so worse, worse and worse for us, but it's our timeline that we have is shorter than ever. And if we're going to tell the story that can change somebody's life, we need to get busy telling it. You know, this, you know this, what is another deception? Let me make it clear. It's not normal to be gay. Uh, I could take time and take you to Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. It's just not normal. It's not normal that multiple genders, Genesis 12 and verse 27 talks about God created man in his own image. The image of God created he, him, male, and female. So we live in a time of deception where it would be easy to be deceived, but we got the Scripture, and we got to make sure that we look and test everything through what the Scripture says. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, it says, Prove all things. Hold fast to that is good. Stand for the truth. Knowing God's promises are faithful. And I, and I come to you, I don't know who you are in here today. I, I don't know. But I want to remind us that we need, we need to keep doing right. Well, we live in a day and time that it's so easy to do wrong. And we can just kind of blend in and just do our own thing, but we need to do right. We're to embrace Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. What did he say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So don't be deceived by these false religions that we see. Don't be deceived by the educational process that the states and the government is trying to put. Don't be deceived by the health mandates and these things. It's so easy to be sucked into these mistruths that the government throws at us. Spiritual deception, a one-world finance, a cashless society, a one-world government. As I said, health deception, a one-world religion. Listen, I mean, if we had time, I understand I'm in the Bible Belt, but I was in a church not so long ago, and, you know, uh, so many of the so-called churches of time, we've all had have been deceived. I mentioned about the lady that was deceived at the old city. But, you know, we, it's, all, it's very easy to be deceived. We're, we're, sometimes we're naive, aren't we? And so, you know, how is it that we can avoid these deceptions? How is it? It's real simple. In, in, this, the, as I, in this world that we live in today, it's so easy to be deceived because of all the uh, computer stuff, the artificial intelligence, humanoids, robots, are, uh, they're common. They're here. And so easy for us to be deceived. And so I say this. How do you avoid that? John 1, 4 
in verse 1, 1 John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into this world. So I say and warn you to say, test the spirits. Test everything with Scripture. Prove all things and hold fast. So that's good in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 21. God's Word is our spiritual filter. I mean, there's a lot of things out there that, that you, you've heard, I've heard. That sounds, pretty, that sounds pretty good. But in light of the Scripture, it helps to bring us back to truth. And we need, we need to be able to see truth is the way that God sees it. And so, listen, listen, thank you so much uh, for listening. And listen, let's go out, I think time's short. I think we're near the finish line. And let's go out and make a difference in this world. Go out and make a difference. Go back to the, you know, love your neighbor. As you're, you know, I'm reminded that, you know, the, the Pharisees asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment. You know that. Love God and love your neighbors yourself. I believe this is a church that practices that. So let's go out and let's make a difference in our community like you are. I pray that God, uh, there's no question that there's, there's, this represents souls somehow or another. Uh, this effort, this work, this money, the time, the energy represents because you're, you're, you're not just focusing on yourself in this church. You're trying to forget about yourself and go out and make a difference. What a blessing that is. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd take what's been said. Lord, thank you that you use common people such as myself, like these good people here. And Lord, we thank you for the prophecies that we see that are being fulfilled at a very high rate, rapid rate. And Lord, all that, all that really should mean to us is that we see the time of the hour. And we're to be aware, we're to be discerning, uh, we're to have... We, we, we need to be led by your spirit because, Lord, we cannot navigate through this world the way it is without being yielded to your spirit. We'll, we'll mess up. And so, Holy Ghost of God, we ask that you would keep us filled and, Lord, help us to walk the straight and narrow that we could have your powers we navigate through our life and, Lord, that we could make a difference in people's life. Lord, we need your power. Lord, sometimes we certainly fall short, but Lord, we thank you that we can come to you and reminded of 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, you're just and faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Lord, thank you for a church that obviously, it's obvious that it's paid the price to be able to have seen revival in the past. But Lord, we need revival often. And so Lord, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to remain clean and strong. And Lord, help us that even though we're weak, that we would go to the brother. And Lord, help us to be reminded that if we confess our faults, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And Lord, to confess our faults one to another. Pray you one for another that we would be healed. And so that's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, you say, that availeth much. And so, Lord, we're imperfect. But Lord, thank God that we can come to you. We can use the altar and we can pray for one another. And what an example of a, a church that believes in getting cleaned up and purified and so that we can go out and see you work the way that 
you want to work in their lives. And Lord, everything that's accomplished, what a wonderful day <coughs> that we've had in you today. And so, Lord, we, we just want your will. Lord, we, 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 we don't want to get in your way. We just want to be used as human instrumentation to bring people to you. And so, Lord, we, 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 as best we can, we, we renew ourselves, we give ourselves to you, and so, Lord, just lead us, guide us, and direct us this week. <clears throat> this church has so much going on with the gift bags or the, uh, the backpacks to the officers and the backpacks to the children here in this part of the country. And, Lord, we pray that you'd bless each one of them, bless the gospel tracts that go in them and that somebody would read them and the seed would be planted and people would come to know you. And, Lord, uh, uh, the vacation Bible school where uh, the, the truths, the simple truths that will be told about how wonderful you are and your saving grace and how that, uh, that, that, that we can have a personal relationship with you. And, Lord, we pray that you'd fill those teachers here in just a few minutes that They'll take those Sunday school lessons and they'll pray over them. And Lord, that and, and at the end of the uh, the time here on Friday, that people will have taken what faith that they had, the little faith. And you told us that we had faith of a little child and how important this is. And so, Lord, we pray that you bless every effort with Vacation Bible School and all the time, the energy and money that, Lord, that you just bless it all. And uh, we praise your name, Lord. It's bowed, our eyes are closed. Why don't we stand tonight, if you would, please? Thank you. Thank you, Brother Ewan. Let me ask a question tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I know we have folks visiting tonight. And before we go any further, first of all, I wonder if there might be. I want you to be honest. And I want you to search your heart right now. I wonder if there might be one here tonight who would say, Brother Pope, if I died tonight, right where I'm standing, heart attack came, stroke, something, if I died right where I'm standing, Pastor, I really don't know. I really don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Is there one like that here tonight? And you'd, you'd just slip your hand up right now and I could pray for you. Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You just slip your hand up. Can I pray for you tonight? I see some little hands that have their hands up, and I'm going to pray for them here in just a moment. So, church, I'll tell you what. Here's the invitation tonight. Number one, if you're here and you say, you know what, preacher, I want God to use me. Brother Gouin talked about being used of God. I want God to use me, and I'd like God to use me to lead some souls to the Lord. And if that's your prayer tonight, then here's what I'm going to invite you to do in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar, just find a place. And you just breathe that prayer to the Lord. Say, Lord, would you use me? Would you use me? Lord, would you open a door and give me the opportunity to, to be a gospel witness and to lead somebody to Jesus, to plant the seed like he talked about tonight? Would you, would you help me to do that? And then the second part of the invitation is this. You might know someone who is deceived. They're deceived. That's what he talked about tonight. Be you not deceived. And you say, Pastor, I do. I know somebody. They're very dear to my heart. And they're deceived. All right? Then I'm going to invite you to come tonight and just find a place. And you just breathe their name to the Lord and say, Lord, would you please, would you shine the light and reveal to them 
their error and help them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And then if you do this, while you're coming, if you can get close enough, I want you to find one of these bags and I want you just to lay a hand on these bags. And in just a moment, we're going to pray. These bags right here are going to go to law enforcement officers here across our, our county. And I spoke to one yesterday. I was at the hospital yesterday and I ran into one young man that I know very well and, and we talked for a little while. So if you can get close enough, I want you just to put a hand physically. I want you to touch the bag and, and we're going to have a prayer. In just a moment, we're going to ask God to use these bags to lead some folks to the Lord. So Heavenly Father, I pray you'd have your way in this invitation. And right now, Lord, I pray as folks come, God, I pray that you would use us. Father, I pray that you would protect us. And Lord, help us never to be led into error and deception. Father, we all have loved ones that we know that are deceived. We have some that are so deceived they don't even really believe they, they need salvation. And so, Lord, I pray tonight for these that you would save them. I pray, God, for these little ones that raise their hands tonight about their need for salvation. God, I pray tonight that you would, that you would give them understanding. Lord, as they reach that age of accountability, I pray that soon and very soon, that come to know the Lord as their personal Savior. So Lord, right now, have thy way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name.